Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Glad you're here today. I want to welcome you again if you're new. Our prayer today is that you'll have an awesome experience with us today. Uh, We are going to be continuing along in our Rock Bottom series today. I want to welcome those of you joining us online as well. Thank you for tuning in wherever you're joining us from today. Well, last week we talked about in part one of the series what it means uh, when we're at rock bottom. Sometimes that life just happens and accidents happen and tragedy strikes and there's just times where we find ourselves in a very desperate place at the hands of someone else or because of something that was outside of our control. We talked about that even though we find ourselves at rock bottom, we discover that God is still the rock at the bottom, amen, and that he's still faithful, he's still there, no matter what happens, he's with us, and so we talked about what happens, what do you do when you find yourself at rock bottom, how do you move forward, and the first thing we talked about was looking up, you got to get your eyes off of your situation and onto your Savior, you can't move forward if you're looking down, we look up to Jesus, we still know that he's with us, and then we keep moving. We don't stop in the valley. David said, I'm walking through the valley because God is with me and that if I look up and I keep moving, that I will get out of that. And we do that all the while proclaiming God's promises and we praise our way out of the pit. There's, some, there's something powerful about when we proclaim the truth of God. And the Bible says that truth will set us free. And then the amazing promise that God gives us in Romans 8:28 that he says that he can leverage anything for our good and for his purpose, if we allow him to do that, that he can take our, our difficult situations and help shape us into who he wants us to be. And so today we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit because sometimes life just happens and you're in a difficult spot, but a lot of times it happens because of us. Nobody likes to say amen to that. But oftentimes we find ourselves at a place where we're at rock bottom, at a place where we really have to start over because we're suffering the consequences of our own choices, that we made bad decisions that put us in a difficult spot. It's our own fault. It's no one else's. And so over the next couple weeks, we're going to look at what do you do when you've made a mistake that's put you in a difficult place where you hit rock bottom? How do you move forward and ensure that what happened last time doesn't happen next time? How do we do that? So that's what we're going to be looking at in Proverbs 19.3. It says this, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at the Lord. Come on, somebody, that's good stuff, right? I mean, just laying it out there, just kind of, hey, not holding anything back. Sometimes, right, and, and you've probably had conversations with people that you've, you've interacted with people, and they're like blaming everyone else, blaming, pointing the finger at everyone else, and you're like, um, I, I hate to be the one to tell you, but this is kind of your fault. What? It is? No, you know, and so Proverbs says, look, I see it happen all the time. People get mad at God, but it's because of decisions that they made that landed them where they're at. So maybe today you're here and you're at rock bottom in your career, in your marriage, in your relationships, financially, on and on. So how do we make sure that what happened last time doesn't happen again? What do you do when you have to start over? What steps do you take to move forward into the future. And we're going to dive into that for the remainder of this series. Listen, life has enough unavoidable pain 
Can we learn from God's word to make sure that we don't cause more pain than is necessary in our lives? I feel like that's what God really wants to do and challenge us with in the next few weeks. But the first thing we got to do in order to move forward, to start over, to, to move on from rock bottom, is we have to dismiss three myths. There's three myths that you have to dismiss right off the bat so that you can move forward. And the first one is this, is the experience myth. And this myth says that experience makes me wiser. Experience makes you older. It makes you more tired. It makes you poorer. It can make you lonelier, but not always wiser, right? An experience alone doesn't make you wiser. It's an evaluated experience that makes you wiser. It's learning from your experience that makes you wiser. This is a game changer that if we evaluate the experiences of our life that will set us up for success next time. One of the great examples that we've had recently is our egg hunt that we do in the community. We, we had a, a little bit more people than we were expecting. And so it was a little chaotic. And that's okay. It's, I always tell people, like, life is, is going to have chaos. It's, it's about controlling the chaos. And, and we did that. You know, there was a few kids separated from their parents for a few minutes. But they all found their way back to their mom and dad and made it home. But what we did immediately after that, th- th- that was the fifth time we've done the Easter egg hunt. So we kind of know what to expect, we kind of know what to do, we kind of have a plan in place, but that plan wasn't sufficient for the crowd that came. And so immediately after the egg hunt, we debriefed, we evaluated, and then in staff meeting that week, we said, hey, what can we do next time to make sure what happened last time doesn't happen again next time? And so we talked through it, we discussed it, we evaluated it from beginning to end, and we've implemented some changes that we will do next year. You see, the experience itself isn't going to make us better, isn't going to make us wiser, isn't going to keep us from repeating the same mistake. It's the evaluated experience that makes you wiser. And let me say this, the sooner you evaluate the experience, the better. Because we do it right away after an event because I forget all the bad stuff that happened, right? I'm like, oh, I don't, did that happen? I don't even remember, right? So we evaluate very quickly. So we got to dismiss the experience myth. Experience doesn't make you wiser. Evaluated experience makes you wiser. The second thing is the know better myth. Since I know better, I'll do better. Listen, knowing better does not equal doing better. Great example are your children, right? My kids all the time, they know what they're supposed to do, but they don't do what, they're, what they know, right? It's the same way in our lives. We may know something, but that doesn't mean that we always have the self-control, the discipline, and the power to do what we know we ought to do. My kids all the time, I'm like, you know you're not supposed to punch your sister in the face. <laughs> I know, Dad, right? You discipline and I know, Dad. No, you don't know because if you knew, you would do. Well, they do know, but knowing doesn't always equal doing. We've all made mistakes multiple times, so we got to dismiss that miss. We, we can't move forward and go, well, hey, look, I know better. I'll, I'll do better next time. It's not always the case. The third myth you have to dismiss is the time myth. To start over, to move forward, time is not against you, but that's what we think. Time is against you. We say things like this all the time. Well, the other people my age... They're at this place in life. All of my friends, right, your kids, all of my friends do it, right? All of our friends are there. I've learned my lesson. I know better. If they can, why can't I? The clock is ticking, Kyle. 
Time is my enemy. I'm not getting any younger. Listen, that is a very destructive mindset. When you're at a place, and I'm talking about when you're at rock bottom, okay? When you've hit one of those places in life where you go, I got to start over. I got to start over in my marriage. It it ended. I got to start over. I got to move forward. I got to start over in my career. I lost my job. I was laid off. I got to start over with my kids. We had a falling out. When you find yourself in these things, I'm telling you, time is your friend, not your enemy. Don't just rush into another relationship. Don't just rush into another big career thing and move your family across the country and rush into these decisions. Time is on your side. In scripture, we find people all the time that had big failures. How many of you are thankful for that? That God still uses people that make big mistakes. I know I'm thankful for that. And throughout scripture, we find these, these, these people that God continued to use despite their failures and their mistakes That they had this first time, then a rock bottom experience, and then they got a second chance. They had a second time that came around. There was a next time. And in every single instance, when you look at these people in scripture, between the first time and the second time was a gap of time. Between the first time and the second time, we need a gap of time. And throughout scripture, it was usually years. Years. That they waited, that they allowed God to do what he needed to do. In Psalm 27, 14, David, who was one of these people who had one of these big failures, he said, wait patiently for the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, patiently. Oh, I hate being patient, right? I hate being patient. God, let's just get on with it. Let's just move forward. Let's just, let's just go. Time is not against me. Our time is against me. Time isn't on my side. I gotta get to where I need to be. It says, wait patiently for the Lord. And then it's, this was the instruction that David said, Be brave and courageous. And then he says again, wait patiently for the Lord. How many of you know it takes courage and bravery to wait on God? It does. David said, look, you need to wait on God. Be brave. Be courageous. That's like normal. It's in scripture all the time. But he says, wait for God. Be brave. Be courageous. Wait for God. It takes bravery. It takes courage to go, God, I trust you. Man, I want to rush into this. God, man, I'm lonely. I I need this. My investment went bad. I just need to reinvest. I need to get this money back. I need to figure out, right? Look, time is on your side. And next time can be better than last time, not just because you want it to be, but because you plan for it to be. Because you evaluate. Because you learn from your experiences. Because you allow God to do what he needs to do in you. If you rush into it, if you don't evaluate, I can almost guarantee you That next time will be just like last time. That you'll find yourself in a very similar situation sooner rather than later. So while we're waiting, as David says, we wait. We trust God. What do we do to make sure that next time is better than the last time? There's three things we got to do, and we're going to talk about these over the next few weeks. The first one is own it. The second one is rethink it and then release it. That's where we're going to go for the rest of the series. And today I want to focus just on this first part, this first statement is own it. Listen, you have to own your part. When you hit rock bottom, and again, last week we talked about out of of your control. What do you do then? This week we're talking about, hey, I made some choices. I did some things. I, 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 I led myself to this place. It wasn't maybe all my fault, but there's part of this is my fault. And you have to own your part. Look at your neighbor and say, it's your fault. It's not mine. Your spouse is going, I know, I know. I've been telling you for years it's your problem. It's not, definitely not my problem, right? 
But when you say own your part, if you're like me, I go, no thanks, I'd rather play the blame game. It's much funner. It's a lot easier. I can just blame them. I'm the way I am because of you. You did this. I'm reacting to you, right? Again, my children do this all the time whenever they get in trouble. Well, they did it first. Okay, that doesn't mean that you get to do it. They did it. They took it. It's their fault. And immediately, you know what we're conditioned to do naturally, starting as a child on? And as soon as something bad happens, we point the finger at someone else. It's your fault. It's definitely not my fault. Uh, Riley, you punched him in the face. Well, because he did this. That doesn't mean that you can just react however you want to react, right? All the time, we want to point the finger at someone else. And what God is telling you today, if you're at rock bottom, if you're in a place in life where you're starting over, take that finger and point it right at you. Don't point at someone else. Point at yourself and say, God, what part of this do I need to own? God, what do I need to evaluate? How can I learn so that as I move forward into the future that you have for me, I'm so thankful for the second chance that I have that I can move forward and accomplish even bigger things despite my failures, despite my mistakes. But in order to do that, you have to own your part. In order to make sure that negative history doesn't repeat itself, you have to own your role in history. To make sure that the past you have doesn't come back, you have to pause long enough to own your part of the problem. But the reason why most of us don't do this, including myself, is because it's easier to go, well, there's nothing for me to own. It's not my fault. They left. My boss was unreasonable. It was their drug problem, not mine. They were the one who was the, that got caught up in alcohol. I couldn't have known the economy was going to go the way it was. I didn't know that that was going to be a bad investment. It's not my fault. And the reason why I don't want to tell the story of how I screwed up is because that's not a fun story to tell, is it? It's not fun to tell that story. I'd much rather say, hey, it's their fault. Let me tell you a story about what they did, how this was happened. But I'm telling you, to move forward, your best bet for a successful future is to own your share of the past. It's your best bet for a successful future, which God has for you, no doubt about it, is to own your share of the past. But it's hard to do, and it's something that humans have struggled with since the very beginning of time. In Genesis, Adam and Eve, the creation story, God sets it up, it's paradise, it's perfection, it's anything that you could ever want, and there was one rule in the garden. Don't eat of that tree, that one tree. Everything else, you can have it. Come on, somebody. I would have loved to have been in the garden. Eat all you want. There's no calories. There's no sin. You just eat whatever you want. You ain't going to put on any weight, right? Just have at it. What was the other command that God gave him? There was no rules except that one. He said, eat whatever you want. Be fruitful and multiply. Come on, somebody. That's heaven on earth, right? Just go make babies, man. Have fun. You ain't even got to work. All this is for you. Just be fruitful and multiply. And we go, hey, God, if that was all I had to do right now, I'd, I'd be able to handle it. I could handle it, right? But Adam and Eve, not so much. They had one rule, and they messed it up. And the only reason they had one rule was because God had to establish his authority, right? Hey, you're the creation. I'm the creator. You are subject to my authority. I want to bless you. I have a future for you. Be fruitful. Multiply. Eat what you want, but leave that alone. That one's mine. That's the knowledge of good and evil. You don't want knowledge of good and evil. Just let me handle that part. They engaged it. They messed it up. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says this. The woman was convinced. She was deceived by the, the enemy, the serpent, the devil. 
It says she saw the tree, that it was beautiful, it looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit, she ate it, and then she gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. See, women, it's not always the man's fault, okay? <laughs> 99, this was literally the one time in history, the rest of it, it was all the man's fault. We, we know that's the truth. He ate it, gave it to her. It says then that, verse 8, when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. They had walked with God all the time. And this time, instead of going to meet them, it said that they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Listen, you know what happens when we do something wrong? We hide it until we're caught, right? And then when we're caught, we say sorry, not because we're sorry, but because we got caught. That's what happens. That's how it plays out. But you got to own your part. You got to fess up to what you did. It says that God was looking for them. Listen, today, maybe you've messed up. Maybe you feel like you're hiding from God. And let me tell you something He's looking for you, but not to punish you, not for what you think He wants to say or do. He's not going to point the finger at you. He's looking for you because He loves you, because He's a good Father. And when my kids make mistakes, I correct them because I want something better for them. Because I believe that, that there's something better, that better behavior is going to get them where they want in life. And so I correct them and I discipline them. And so God is looking for you, but it's not to shame you. It's not to judge you. It's because he loves you. So that God, in verse 9, God called out to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. God goes immediately, well, that was the other good part of the garden, right? Come on, I didn't go there today, but hey, look. Be fruitful, multiply. You ain't even got to buy clothes. Just enjoy it all, right? And it says this. It says, I was ashamed. All of a sudden, I see my nakedness. I'm ashamed. And it said, who told you you were naked? They had the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And then in verse 12, chapter 3, Adam said, yes, I did it. And I take full responsibility for my actions. Do with me as you will, but leave Eve out of this. She's innocent. Some of you may be wondering why people are laughing. That's not actually what it says. And they've heard the story before. Maybe you haven't heard the story. That's what he should have said, right? That's what owning your part looks like. Taking responsibility for my actions. Do with me what you want, but it's not her fault. But the very first thing that the first two people in this world ever did when they got caught, they blamed. Look what Adam did. The man replied, this is what I actually said, verse 12, it was the woman that you gave me. I didn't even want her. I was here. I was fine just naming all the animals. Me and the animals, we were getting along just fine. I was naming them. They were like my kids. I was just, you know, it was great. I was eating there what I wanted. And all of a sudden, you said, God, no, they're not good for me to be alone. I was fine alone. I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> Knock me out. Take my rib. I wasn't happy about that in the first place. And now this woman has ruined everything for me. I'm going to have to work the rest of my life, and I'm going to live like a hundred and some years. Right? Immediately, it was the woman's fault. It was your fault. God, it was your fault. It was her fault. It wasn't my fault. This wasn't my problem. And that was partially true, right? 
There was some truth to that, but it wasn't the whole truth. And that's what we do when we get caught. That's what we do when we find ourselves at rock bottom. That's what we do when we're suffering the consequences of our choices, that, that we tell part of the truth. This story, it was mostly true. He didn't ask for it. He wasn't the one that was deceived. But he had a part to play. You see, and we like to tell part of the truth, but we don't like to tell the whole truth. And the problem is, is when you tell that story long enough, you actually start to believe it. And some of you had stuff happen years ago. And you've told the story over and over and over again of what they did and how it was their fault. And it wasn't my problem. It was their problem. And that's, there's some truth to what you're saying. But it's not the whole truth. He goes on. And he asked the woman in verse 13, he says, what have you done? What did you do? And Eve, going right along with Adam, she said, it was the serpent. Wasn't me. He deceived me. He's smart. He's wise. He's shrewd. He, he figured me out. He convinced me to do it. That's why I ate it. I didn't want to, God. He deceived me. And that was true. But it wasn't the whole truth. Listen, the reason why you have to take responsibility, and in order to do that, you got to pause long enough to take responsibility, to evaluate, to reflect, and go, okay, what was my part in this? Because if you don't take responsibility for your part in your history, in your role in history, you are undermining your own happiness in your own future. We can't blame our way to a better future. It doesn't work. You can try all you want, but it's not going to change you. It's not going to make you better. It's not going to make your life better. In fact, blame does the opposite. It sets you up for a repeat performance. Blame sets you up for you to do exactly what you did last time because it wasn't your fault anyway. I had no part to play. You see, owning your part is important, especially when it's a relational issue Because when you own your part, it drops the temperature of your emotions. How many of you know that when something bad happens, your emotions go on the rise, right? And how many of you know when your emotions are on the rise, you're not thinking clearly. And when you're not thinking clearly, you don't make the best decisions. Has anyone ever said something in the heat of the moment that you wish you never said? That you wish you never did? And as soon as it left your mouth, you were like, oh, come back, come back, come back. Too late, right? And so when you pause and you own your part, and you take a step back, it allows the temperature to drop, your emotions to calm down, and then you have the clarity to make decisions for your future. Some of you have been so mad for so long, your emotions have been escalated because you've never really owned your part, you've never allowed God the time to do his work in you, to leverage even your mistake or someone else's mistake for your good and his glory. That's his promise that we proclaim from the rock bottom experience. God, you can do this. You will do this. I trust you, right? And we've never paused long enough to allow God to do it. And our emotions have been on high the whole time and we've continued to make bad decision after bad decision because we haven't allowed God to do what he needs to do in our lives. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus is teaching He said this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Isn't that interesting? How many of you, when you hit rock bottom, when you're at a place where you got to start over, you go, man, I need to see what God wants. 
man, I need to see God. I need God in my life. I need his wisdom. I need his direction. I need his peace, right? We want to see God. And Jesus says there's a relationship between purity and clarity. That the purer your heart is, the more you will see God. And when you see God, you will see his best for you. He will reveal to you what you need for your life. You see, when, relationally, when I admit my part, the problem with that is because we're, we're, we're naturally sinful. From a young child on, right, we like to point the finger at someone else, not ourselves. So we naturally like to play the blame game. It's just part of how we're wired, how we're created, part of being a sinful human living in a fallen world. That's what we do. But when you remain angry at someone... You can't make good decisions. And so when I admit my part, when I turn the finger back at me and I own my part, and we're going to talk a minute, even if it's a sliver, even if it's just a small part, when I do that, again, it allows my temperature to kind of, of my emotions to drop. And when I admit my part, I can't be angry about their part. I can't be as angry at them. And I want to be angry. I want to be angry. I don't want to forgive them. Listen, you can't. Move forward without forgiveness, right? you got to be forgiven by God to move forward into what he has for you. You can't move forward into your future if you're holding on to some hurts of your past. you got to let it go. you got to drop it. you got to own your part. And the best way to forgive and to not point the finger at someone else is to point it at yourself. Proverbs 28, 13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper. I want to prosper. I want to step into the blessings of God for my life. I want all that he has for me. It says this, if you conceal it, if you hide it, if you don't own it, that's where you'll stay. But if you confess and you turn from it, they'll receive mercy. What an amazing promise from God. That even when you made the mistake, even when it was your fault, throughout scripture we see these examples. That if you're willing to own it and to repent, to apologize and to leave it behind, to turn from it, turn towards God, to step into the future. I'm going to look up. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to proclaim the promises of God's life. Even when it was my fault, even when it was your mistake, God goes, I forgive you. Here's forgiveness. Here's mercy. Here's a second chance. And daily, God gives us that opportunity gives us the opportunity to have second chances, to move forward into our future. But to make peace with your past, which some of you need to do, you got to make peace with it. You must own your piece of your past. You see, you can't drag your past into your future. Blame sets you up for a repeat mistake. You can't blame your way to a better life, so you have to own your part. As hard as it is, you have to own it. I want you to look, think about your life for just a second in the shape of like a circle, like a pie, like a pie chart, okay, for all my visual people. Imagine your life, everything, all the good, the bad, here it is. In that pie, what is your sliver? What percentage belongs to you for some of the heartache, for some of the mistakes, you got to carve it out. you got to own it. And go, look, it's, it, it could just be small. Look, this is all that happened, but, but, yeah, that part is mine. That was me. That was my choice. In order to make peace with it, you must own your peace 
of it. The band's going to come and we're going to close out. And Listen, I've sat in the room with people who have terrible stories, just tragic stuff, extreme stuff that's happened in their life. And I'm just telling you from what I've learned is the more extreme your story is, the less likely it is for you to own your part of it. We don't want to own it. We don't want to move forward from it. We want to hold on to it. And I'm just telling you, regardless of how small your part is, you've got to own it before you start over. Before you rush into the next relationship, before you get into that new job, before you establish in reconciliation with your kid, before you do this, you've got to own your part. You've got to own your role. Otherwise, it'll just be a repeat performance. The same things that happen will happen again. And sometimes they're very small and subtle things. And I'm going to give you a few examples. I'm just going to kind of read through that maybe this will connect with you. Maybe this will help you see it. Your piece of the pie in a different light today. You know, I had a, I had a feeling something wasn't right. But I was afraid to dig around and find the truth. Something in my gut told me. But I'd already made up my mind. I already decided that was the person I was going to be with. I already decided this was the direction I was going to go. And something I kind of knew. But I ignored that voice. I ignored that feeling. And I I just put it on a shelf. And I moved forward anyway. I had a feeling something wasn't right. But I moved forward. I decided. You know, the people I trusted, they warned me. But I didn't listen. My parents told me. They said, this isn't right. This isn't the right move for you. He's not right for you. She's not right for you. I'm seeing something. My my best friend, who I loved and, and I trusted, they told me. But I didn't listen. I moved forward anyway. You know, I stayed too long. And I enabled. I played a part. I should have left sooner. I stayed too long. I'm unhealthy today. I'm suffering the consequences of someone else's choices. I let their issues affect me because I didn't have the courage to leave. I stayed too long. You know what? I was greedy. I was greedy. They said this is the way to make money fast. They said if you did this, you did that, you'd get here, you'd get that promotion, you'd do that. And I didn't pause, I didn't evaluate, I didn't think. And I rushed into it. I was greedy. You know, I was lonely. I was just lonely. I just wanted to be with someone. I didn't care who they were at the time. I was just lonely, and I wasn't relying on God, and I wasn't pursuing Him, and I made a mistake. You know, I was jealous. My sister got married. She got the house. She got pregnant. That was the life that I thought I wanted. And so I rushed into it. I knew it wasn't right. But I was jealous. I wanted what I couldn't afford. So that's why I have this debt. It's crippling me. It's crippling my marriage. Because I bought things I couldn't afford. Because I was greedy. You know what? I should have confronted them, but I was afraid. I knew what was happening. 
but I didn't want to deal with it. You know what? It was just lust. It's embarrassing to admit it, but that's just what it was. It was lust. I wanted what didn't belong to me. I put myself in a situation that allowed that to happen. It was just lust. Again, I should have left. I knew that that conversation wasn't leading in a godly place. I knew that it was gossip. I knew that it was going to cause problems at work, but I stayed. I should have walked out of the room. I should have walked away from that conversation, but I stayed and I was a part of it. And because of that, I'm here. I should have left. And I knew I should have left, but I didn't. I didn't even say it. I didn't even do it. I was guilty by association, but I could have left. I thought I could handle it. I lied to myself. I thought one beer would just be one beer. I was strong enough to handle it. I thought I could handle it. But you know what? I couldn't. I lied to myself. I thought I could handle it, but the reality is, is I knew that it was handling me, and I didn't do anything about it. I am where I am because of me. And as hard as it is sometimes as small and as subtle as your piece of the pie may be to make peace with your past you must own your piece of the past you had a decision to make a part to play but I'm telling you because of the grace of God because of the mercy of God that God can even leverage your mistake for your good for his glory to accomplish his purpose and his will in your life if if you allow them. Proverbs said, own your part, man. Fess up. Tell God you're sorry. Tell them you're sorry. Let's get a clean slate. Let's move forward. But your next time won't be better than last time unless you plan for it to be. And the first part of the plan, we're gonna get into the rest of it, is you gotta own it. Own your part. Listen, God is the forgiver of your past. Come on. He's the forgiver of your past. Isn't that amazing? The amazing grace of God that even when you did it, even when you stayed, even when it was your lust, even it was your greed, it was your jealousy, that even besides all of that, that he says, I forgive you, that the cross says it's finished. It's not because of what you can do. It's because of what God can do for you. That you're never without hope because of what Jesus did. So hope is available. Forgiveness is available. (coughs) He's the forgiver of your past and he's the fulfiller of your future. You see, I love GPS because it, no matter what direction you go, when you put in a destination point, it's gonna do everything it can to get you there, right? So even when you make a wrong turn, even when you get off the path that you knew you should have been on, It recalculates and gets you back. Listen, your mistakes, your failures, they don't disqualify you from God's destiny for your life. Nothing can, look throughout scripture. You're not disqualified. You may have taken a detour, (laughs) but it's not disqualification. The only way you get disqualified is when you just take the keys out and throw them out. Here I am. It's my fault. I made the turn. I didn't listen. It kept telling me to turn around. kept telling me to get back. I didn't listen. No matter how far you go in the wrong direction, 
one moment. You go, God, I'm sorry. He goes, recalculating. Here we go. Look, I can't erase the consequences. You strayed pretty far. It's going to take us a little bit. But together, me and you, we're going to do it. We're going to move forward into the future. Are you ready? Let's do this. Today, that's what God's saying to some of you. You ready? Let's do this. But own up. The blame game isn't going to help you. Quit playing that game. Own your part, even if it's small. Own it. The future's bright. He's the forgiver of your past. He's the fulfiller of your future. It doesn't matter what you do. He's for you. He's not against you. He is looking for you, but not to shame you or to punish you or to condemn you, but because he loves you. And he's a good father and he wants what's best for his kids. You are a child of God and he has a destiny for your life if you would simply allow him to do it. Stand with me today. (coughs) We're going to sing this song together. But today we can make sure what happened last time doesn't happen next time. By owning our part, by surrendering to God. That even when life falls apart, he's still there. David said, even when I'm in the valley, you're there. When I'm on the mountain, you're there. I can't escape you, God. Even when I try, you're there. And today, some of you have been running, you've been hiding, and I'm telling you, God's there. He loves you. Let's just own up. Let's just confess. God, I'm sorry. God, I need you. God, forgive me. I turn from that. I turn towards you. And when I do, I find mercy, I find grace, and I find the promise of your future. Lord, we love you. We look to you today. You are a good God. You're a good Father. So today, God, we turn from our own ways and we turn towards you. And God, I pray that you would speak faith into hearts and lives in this moment. As we own up, God, may we sense your grace, your mercy, and the promise of your future. In Jesus' name.